This is the Power of Partnerships, changing the game for digital transformation. Presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the best, you're in the best place to be. This is the Power of Partnerships, one of our many Game Changers radio series. We love our audience around the world. We've got a great topic for you today. Very, very important in these interesting, dynamic, disruptive times the whole world is going through. So let's see what the buzz on the street is. I have three buzz quotes. There were so many good quotes, I came up with three. Ken Blanchard, the author of One Minute Manager, says, none of us is as smart as all of us. Just let that sink in for a minute. Michael Jordan, famed basketball player and principal owner of the NBA Charlotte Hornets said, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence win championships. That teamwork word kind of snuck in there. And let's get a quote from Phil Jackson, another former basketball player, and he's a coach and an executive in the NBA. He says, the strength of the team is each individual member, the strength of each member is the team. That's my favorite. So what are we talking about today? Well, the year 2020 has forced many business leaders to figure out how to manage economic downturns. Come on, you, our global audience, you all know what we're talking about. For companies large and small, regardless of the industry, the footprint, how mature you are or not, it's time for companies to gear up for what we call bounce back growth in 2021. We're here at the almost the end of September 2020, and businesses are starting to pivot and be agile and learn from what they didn't know before the pandemic, and we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. So the questions on the table are, how do you bring together and harness the skills of your teams? That's what we're talking about today. How do you integrate new talent? Yes, there is new talent out there. And how do you galvanize your entire company together toward shared goals and a new era horizon in 2020? And all I can say is, Oh, we can't wait for 2021, I meant. You can start by looking at how your shared resources, collaboration, and the support of your partnership ecosystems are critical to planning. It's time to look at the people in the teams. I have three experts on the panel, so excited to speak with them. We're going to be meeting in a moment Edwin Van Royen. His company is called Teacup. T-C-U-P. And we also have Jorgen Lindegaard and Thomas Pickle at SAP. We're going to ask them to share their experiences with building top performing teams that drive customer success in Who doesn't want that? Our topic today is building winning teams for 2021, a return to growth. And I'm going to add the word, yay. So I'm Bonnie DeGram. Happy to be here. Obviously, we love this series. And now it's time for our panelists to introduce themselves. Edwin Van Royen, so happy to see you. And I'm here on Zoom. I have the pleasure of seeing these three gentlemen. And right now we're smiling at each other. I hope they still keep smiling. We're going to have a great conversation. Edwin, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Take about two and a half minutes not on the clock, and tell us not only what you do and what Teacup is, but also tell us what is your passion for this very important topic of team building. Edwin. Thank you, Bonnie, and hello, everybody listening. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity. So, yeah, my name is Edwin Van Ruyen. Um, I'm the CEO of Teacup, and no, we don't make tea. Um, uh, I'm not going to try and talk to people about the benefits of chamomile and how that's going to make everybody calm when the world seems to be falling apart around us. But uh, like a cup and tea, like in cup, we all have a blend, um, and we like to work and 
help people find and, and, and organizations find that blend between health, happiness, and success. So my passion for this is, you know, I'm a firm believer that human performance can drive uh, business performance. And I'm so excited today to talk to the panel about that and, and how we can work and how we work with organizations around the globe, big and small, um, to try and uh, improve that point. So yeah, super excited to be here uh, and can't wait to, uh, to have a lively debate today with uh, the other panel, panel members. Oh, we're going to have a debate. We like debates. I appreciate yeah. Well, to the other gentlemen, you've just been told what Edwin has in mind. Thank you, Edwin. We're happy to have you here. And uh, those of you who are, you're not seeing us on Zoom because we're not broadcasting the video, Edwin has some, it looks like Easter colors, if I can say that, pinks and yellows and blues. His art department did a beautiful job with logos and banners in the background. And uh, if, if you publish some clips from the video, Edwin, people will be able to see that and probably on your website as well. So thank you. Let's go around the virtual table to Jorgen Lindegard. If you're looking for him, his last name is L-I-N-D-E-G-A-A-R-D at SAP. Jorgen, welcome and please do the same. Introduce yourself. Thank you, Bonnie. And yes, just like you said, Edwin, I'm quite happy to be here as well. So my name is Jorgen Lindegard. Uh, it sounds German, but I'm from Denmark, so we, we get confused uh, with that sometimes. Uh, I spent the last, let's say, 20 years in sales in, in the IT industry and the latter half of that in sales management. And for the last five years, I've been in our global sales learning organization in a company here. And my passion really is not just leadership, but moreover the people that we work with. And I, I have a pet peeve. I feel we often, let's say, over-engineer leadership. I think we, we struggle sometimes with actually motivating people and understanding what creates a nice and safe environment for people to be the best they can be. So um, I worked in, in many different companies. I've been in leadership positions, but over the last five years, I've had the pleasure to work with more than 1,500 first-line sales leaders from all over the world. And the insights and the struggles they have from Korea to Mexico to North America and Germany, funny enough, they're all almost the same. So the last year, I've spent kind of connecting the dots from the CEO and board area down to the first-line sales leaders and the teams that are actually out with customers. And um, I've developed passions, and I'm very, very eager for this debate, Edwin, because I think we <laughs> probably have some good things to talk about. I'm loving this. We've never had panelists call it a debate, and I'm up for that. Go. I think it's great. And and before I introduce Thomas Pickle, I just want to say that on on the business aspect shows we do under the banner of Game Changers, we talk about supply chain and the future of manufacturing. I always try to get the conversation around to the people side. Who are the leaders? Who are the managers? Are they leading from the top down? Is the, the, are the grassroots people in the company leading from the bottom up? Where does the energy come from? Where does the vision come from? Who gets to have the final say? Is it a consensus? Is it a real team? And it's always interesting to hear the people side. Today, we get to hear about that. So thank you. And Jorgen, delighted to have you. Thomas Pickle, you're up next. Please introduce yourself to everybody. And what's your passion? And if you want to, you're up for a debate, you have to declare it right now. Go ahead, Thomas. <laughs> I'm also up for debate and also about with Edwin and going to debate about I think the power of leadership especially now in these times about me I'm, I'm heading the the digital hub uh, of Middle and Eastern Europe in SAP this is an organization who is which is uh, set up to drive digital selling and also digital solution advisory means also pre-sales 
And we are also having a, a bunch of data mining, data sourcing, and also partner experience services, uh, I think, in our offering. From that point of view, since, of course, the crisis, I'm in the center of gravity. So <laughs> I think our area <laughs> is the area at the moment which is booming. Um, I've been doing different jobs in SAP, uh, also abroad. And um, I'm passionate about um, the, the power, the, the energy I think people can bring in once you are picking them, I think, in the right way. And the second is I'm like, I like also to, to develop people because I want to ensure that the people around me are making a great career and they are developing themselves and they are um, in a way also connected with their dreams, I think, with what we are doing in, in our business. So I think uh, this is something which is very interesting for me. Thank you very much, Thomas. Pleasure to have you all. I know you're all busy. Actually, the world is very busy right now. So we're very honored that you're all taking the time to share your hour with me today here on Game Changers Radio. Now is the time in the show when I've asked my panelists to send me an interesting quote from a movie, a book, a song, nothing to do with the topic. And they're going to relate the quote that they've selected to our topic in their own words. We get to learn a little bit about their personalities and another way of looking at what we're discussing today, building winning teams for 2021. Very important topic. So Edwin Van Royen has sent us a quote from Maximus in the film Gladiator. Gladiator is a 2000 British American epic historical drama directed by Ridley Scott and co-produced blah, blah, blah. Oh, by DreamWorks and Universal Pictures starring Russell Crowe, Joachim Phoenix, and a bunch of other people I don't know, and Oliver Reed in his final role. It was inspired by Daniel Mannix's 1958 book, Those About to Die, formerly titled The Way of the Gladiator. And here is the quote. Listen up. It's a little bit long, but Edwin, we can't wait to hear your explanation of this one. It's my name. I don't have a good accent for this. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legion's loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Edwin, how did I do? Uh, you smashed it. You absolutely smashed it. And <laughs> if there's a Gladiator 2 coming out, then you're definitely going to be Maximus 2. Um, yeah, so a bit of an odd quote, Bonnie, and thanks for that. And um, yeah, I can't believe it was 20 years ago that the film came out. It makes me feel a bit old. But why do I like it? Well, for starters, I think everybody can relate to Maximus in a way that, you know, he's been this amazing warrior, uh, had, had, had loads of different roles. Um, but clearly he's very loyal and, uh, and he's had some, some hardship in his life. Despite being an amazing soldier, he's a, he's a father to a murdered son, you know, a real bereavement. He's a husband to a murdered wife and he's on a real mission uh, and, and the quote, a real vengeance that he's, that he's going to do so, uh, to, to, make, to correct the wrongs of the past. So why do I like it? Well, you know, I don't look like a gladiator, so I'll cut that. You know, I know this is a radio show, but for anybody thinking I look like Russell Crowe in the movie, that's not why. Uh, the reason I like it is because, like, like Gladiator, I've had a very, very role. I was a rugby player that turned into a lawyer. And then when I was a lawyer, I then basically became an entrepreneur that loved business. And, and when I sold, quite lucky to grow some of my businesses quite, quite successfully, and then I sold it and I became a bit of a philanthropist. And through that, you know, I should have been amazingly happy, but I felt quite down in the dumps. Now, maybe I'm not as bad as a bereaved father or, um, or husband to a murdered wife, but I didn't feel like I had that balance and work-life right. And 
this amazing event of selling my business didn't turn out to be as good as I thought it would be in the 15 years that led up to that. So my mission, and maybe I'm on a vengeance too, is to prove that human performance drives business performance and really, really try and get organizations to put people at the heart of their strategies that goes beyond the CEO's executive summary. That means that what they live and what they breathe and how they operate really puts people at the heart of it. Fascinating. I have a, a question for you, Edwin. may not be a tough question, but it, over the past, let's say, 20 years, we've heard the term HR. When I was going through my early employment in the banking industry, mostly, uh, it was HR, human, re- go talk to HR, human resources. And then uh, somewhere in the late 90s, early 20s, it became HCM, human capital management. What do you prefer to call it, Edwin, today? Are we managing capital that happens to be human or are they all resources or something else? Quick question. What do you think? I like to think of it as people strategy. You know, um, I, th- I think as, you know, we are all humans and it's about managing people, it's managing individuals, people who are husbands, people are the wives, uh, and so on. So, yeah, people strategy is what I'd like to rephrase it to. Thank you. That could be. I agree, by the way. Go ahead, Thomas. Bonnie, that, uh, I think that I think people is really the right thing because if I see at the moment how the people, topic are centered uh, also in our leadership. I think sometimes I'm, I don't want to be too close to HCM, but sometimes I'm, uh, the HCM is, okay, they can coach us and inspiring partner us, but if we are doing our job good, I think we are covering a lot of important things already, I think, which originally have been delegated to these old HCM departments, yeah, mm-hmm. which are now, uh, I think, in the core of the leadership topic. From that point of view, I like the 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 people topic uh, the most, as you say, Edwin. Well, okay, Jorgen, we got to get your POV on yeah. this. We can't leave you out. What do you think? Are you for people strategies, HCM, HR? What do you think? I always think the HCM part. Um, if you start looking at PNL and annual reports, people never actually show up under capital. So I wonder where the term even came from. And yes, I agree with Edwin. I mean, I wanted to have a debate here, but you make it hard because... I've seen companies now change it out and have chief people officer. And I think it's the first time that role really relates to me. So I, yeah, I hate to say, it, but I agree. It's, it's tough. Well, we, in a way we did debate it. We weren't debating, you weren't debating each other because there was good agreement. However, we were debating the standard of calling it HR or HCM. So I think we did have a debate against this unknown thing called what do we call the department that's supposed to take care of the people that we're building the teams with and all that good stuff. So thank you, gentlemen. I, the question just came to me and I thought now is the time in the beginning just to, just to find out where you stand on that. So you can't use that for your prediction, Edwin, because we already, we already went through that one. Let's go to Jorgen Lindegaard. You have sent us a quote from Dirty Harry, 1971. We're going back further in time. Okay. 30 years earlier than Gladiator, American neo-noir action thriller film produced and directed by Don Siegel, first in the Dirty Harry series, and of course, Clint Eastwood plays the title role. San Francisco police officer, Inspector Dirty Harry Callahan. And the film drew upon the real-life case of the Zodiac Killer as the Callahan character seeks out a similar vicious psychopath. Ooh, here's the quote. I don't do a good Clint Eastwood, but I'll try. You got to ask yourself one. I sound more like Rocky. You got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Edwin, I'm sorry, Jurgen. I hope I didn't murder that one. Help me out here. Why did you pick this quote? Fascinating. Go ahead, Jurgen. 
I love it, Bunny. Yes, and I mean, let's, the quote, of course, comes from a longer monologue by Clint as he's kind of cornered the last bad guy in the little diner. And first of all, this movie for me goes way back. When I was a kid, I saw it at my uncle's place. And it's probably the first quote I started saying out loud to other people just to feel cool. Because you know, we all want to be Clint Eastwood. Later on, though, um, I relate to it and I, it just pops up. When I work with frontline sales leaders, I mean, they really are caught in the middle between a lot of pressure. And often they have to call other people's bluff. And maybe sometimes they have to bluff a little bit themselves. And I see it as a poker game in that diner. He doesn't actually have any bullets in the gun, but the perp gives up. He doesn't want to take the chance. And we get confronted by senior leadership. We might get called out by people every day when you're in the front line. So sometimes you just got to call it out and say, well, I'm ready to take my stance. Are you? Because without me, who knows where this goes? A little twist on it as well, you know, as it ends with punk yes. in the organization I am in, um, our CHRO leader, I think is the, the name of it, they, they actually changed the term we call that department to punks, the HR punks, some years ago. So <laughs> trying to kind of change that image as well. You know, it's not boring back office. It's not just something we do because we have to. It's because we have fun and we care. So it kind of had a double whammy for me on that one. We have fun and we care. What a revolution. I didn't even say evolution. What a revolutionary concept. We have fun and we care. Isn't that really what it's all about? I had a, a manager. I was working at a correspondent bank in New York, and one day we needed to prepare a marketing campaign, and we all stayed late, and this guy in his white shirt and his tie took off his sports his suit coat and rolled up his sleeves, and he said, we're all here. We all care. I'm the CEO. I'm the president. We're going to roll up our sleeves and get it done. He ordered pizza or something, and he said, we're just going to stay here because we're all equal getting this together. We are a team, and we're building this campaign, and nice. he made it fun, and for that brief moment in time we believe he really cared (laughs) (laughs) and we we got it done and we got it done i won't say any more thank you very much let's move around the table to thomas pickle and thomas has sent us a lovely quote from walt disney we're getting a lot of quotes from disney and they have nothing to do with mickey mouse which always surprises me (laughs) walter elias disney 1901 to 66 american entrepreneur animator writer voice actor and film producer gentlemen listen to that kind of a bio we don't do those kind of bios today. We give long paragraphs about all the things we've ever done. If you had to encapsulate, if you ask people who are applying for, for roles in your company to encapsulate in six words what they've done and what their expertise is, what would they say? So Walt Disney, excuse me for going on here, uh, and, and he started, he was an animator, cartoonist. Uh, he worked with somebody named UB, UB, iWorks, who was an animator, cartoonist, character designer, inventor, and special effects technician. And this gentleman designed Oswald the Lucky Rabbit and Mickey Mouse. And this was back in 1928. I didn't realize that Walt Disney was actually the original voice of Mickey Mouse in the early years. So here's the quote. This is a beautiful quote. It's a quote from, I don't know, Wonderland and Disney World. All all I, I have to put on wings for this one. All dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Thomas is doing little music with his fingers on this. Yes, of course. Thomas, beautiful quote from Disney. How did you find this? I did it for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now I was looking for, of course, something ph- philosophical, and, uh, and I liked especially the, the expression "courage," yeah? because a lot of people, and we have entrepreneurs in this in this call, are talking about entrepreneurship and and stuff. Yeah, 
but um, I think it's it's all about courage. Yeah? yeah, if you have the dream, you need to take the have the courage to do it. A lot of people are talking about it and do not have the courage because they are sitting, I think, in their safe chairs in in multinational companies. Of course, they are trying to bring also entrepreneurship in their role. Uh, into their areas where they're responsible for to their people. For example, this is something I'm doing, mm. but uh, the real people, the real entrepreneurs are those who are, have done the, I think, uh, the step, yeah? have the courage to do it, to just do it, to fail, to succeed. Yeah? And um, why I I'm, I'm see this also a little bit as a, as a um, contribution to, to, of course, our ecosystem, uh, we are surrounded, the big not. Uh, Multinationals is also our company surrounded from a very important ecosystem. And here we have also the entrepreneurs uh, who had uh, done the courage to do something recently or some years ago. And in this time where the crisis is, uh, I think uh, those quality of, uh, of, uh, of relations and partnerships can really prove if they, if they are stable. If we are not only taking care of our people, we are also taking care of our partnerships. And this is something which uh, was inspiring me in this context. Thank you very much. Really good go around. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for putting the time and effort into finding really interesting quotes. And I apologize for any terrible impersonations I tried valiantly to deliver, but I appreciate it. I, I, yes, thank you very much. I love learning about what interests all of my guests and that's what you allowed me to do. So thank you. Very appreciated. Now let's get to the real core of the show, the round table. For my listeners, uh, I will tell you that I've asked my panelists to send me four statements each in advance to tell me what's on their mind seriously about this topic. I will pick one. I picked, we're going to start with statement number one from Edwin Van Royen, and I'm going to ask him to spend about two to three minutes telling us what's really on his mind with this statement. I'll read the statement first. Then we'll go around the table and ask Jorgen and then Thomas to comment. And here's where we might have a debate, gentlemen. I will ask you, Jorgen, agree or disagree. Don't be afraid to disagree, even just a little tiny bit to raise a point. And Thomas, you can agree or disagree with either or both of them. Then I'll pick a statement from Jorgen, around the table, same thing, and then one from Thomas. So we have a lot to talk about. Edwin Van Royen told me in statement number one, he says, human performance fuels business performance. Organizations that proactively invest in people's physical, mental, and emotional well-being will not only survive, but thrive. And let's, if we can, Edwin, let's look at this a little bit through the lens of COVID-19 with the newly remote workforces all over the world. So Edwin, you're up. Let's hear what you have to say, please. Thank you, Bonnie. Yeah, so I think current climate, there's a lot of talk uh, around survival. And, you know, how do people uh, survive the, you know, the, the obvious uh, virus out there, but also how do businesses survive beyond this? And I think the answer, um, quite often people say the answer is in the room, but I think the answer certainly for businesses is in front of them. They're people. We've mentioned the word before. And we believe that if we look at human performance and, you know, the, uh, as you know, what does that mean? Well, actually, that's not, you know, we're not talking about KPIs here. We're not talking about how fast people can run. We're talking about things which are physical, mental, and emotional. Yeah. What makes up human beings and organizations that spend some time and invest in technology and who really want to understand and help and see how they can help people's physical health, for example. How do you, how do you support people physically when you can't see them? How can you support them mentally when they're not at the, at the potentially at the uh, 
the uh, coffee or the canteen area, you know, talking and having a bit of a moan about Jürgen, who, you know, gave me a bit of a hard time in my sales chat. And emotionally, how, when you don't see people and you can't see that moment where you can see they're really down, how do you support them? And that's a real challenge for organizations. But, you know, the, in, and, and there's in organizations, all businesses, big and small, in any country, country um, uh, you know, faces at the moment. But, you know, those organizations, and we can see this, where, they, where businesses get it right, then there's so much talk about, you know, a happy employee is a productive employee. Yet organizations still revert back to KPIs and SLAs. And I guess my big statement is let's focus and really on people. You know, that word comes again on their physical side. How can we support them physically? How can we help them mentally? And how can we help them emotionally? These things are not, they are not, uh, they are a collective. We are all have those things. But really, you know, for businesses to not just survive and thrive, it needs to go beyond the fruit bowl. It needs to go beyond just that three gym, gym membership. And let's look at business, you know, let, let's look at human performance in the context of the person in front of you and how we can support an individual Let's not think about herd immunity. You know, I thought I'll get that one in current. Let's not think about that. Let's not think about how can we deal with individuals and how can we, if we help 100 individuals get 1% better as an organization, we are so much stronger. So, yeah. Wow. If we could say that again one more time, Edwin, if we can help 1% of individuals. If we can, if we can improve through uh, 100 individuals, 1% each, as an organization, we are 100% more, um, you know, stronger than what we were collectively. That's a quotable moment. Let's go around the table. I'm going to dare you argue if he wants to disagree. <laughs> but, but add your own thought leadership, Jorgen. What, what do you think? You're up. Go ahead, Jorgen. Yes. No, absolutely. I do agree. I'm not sure I completely agree with math here, uh, how 1%, you know, adds up to 100%. But yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> but no, I, I agree. We, um, I think back there is a company, I'm not going to call out names, but an engineering consultancy company in Britain that had gone through a transition really underperforming. They got a new CEO in and he flipped everything internally and focused on what they called or referred to as state of mind of the employees. And the analogy used there, and you can find it online, is that of a motorcycle. So the front wheel at steering is all the skills and capabilities, but the power to actually go somewhere and use your skills was the engine and the rear wheel of that motorcycle. And the state of mind for the employee really is that engine. So we can have great people, we can have great products, but if people are not in a place where they can really use their own power, they'll never be the best they can be. And I think I put a statement in that kind of relates as well. Um, we don't have unresourceful people in our organizations. We have unresourceful states of minds. And I think, you know, in this case, it completely aligns with what you said, Edwin. We make it very complex. Companies have to run on KPIs. We have to report to the markets and our shareholders. But the engine within really is in the heart and souls of employees. And if you think you can manage that with green check marks and Excel sheets, we're definitely missing a point. So I, I do agree on that one. Good, good points all. Thank you very much. Thomas, join us, please. What's your POV? Thomas Pickle. Of course, I agree, but I would like to elaborate it also a little bit in my direction, um, Edwin, because, of course, uh, this, this uh, statements you are doing are, are correct. Um, I, I would like to elaborate a little bit in, in the direction which I saw um, and, and also combine some of your arguments, Jorgen, that we, um, of course, we need to talk about KPIs, our reportings and so forth. 
But I see, especially in the time where we are now in, in the crisis, that um, we try to uh, bring much more of, um, of the power we have and the, the things we need to do in a bigger context. Yeah? So I think the, the micromanagement and uh, drilling every down in very, let me say, small pieces at the moment is not um, empowering and motivating the people to bring their work in directly in the context of the company. And uh, um, I, I've learned from my people, for example, that they are more and more, in, more interested uh, in the big picture than they have ever been. So why I'm here in the company, how am I contributing? How can I be empowered? How can I really justify the trust you have in me, uh, especially now in the home office and so forth? So especially the topics in terms of empowerment in opening up the, the big picture are very popular at the moment. And this is a signal for me that uh, the colleagues uh, are really uh, ready to step up and, and uh, to take care of their own leadership yeah, part within all this game. And uh, are not only waiting, I think, for the, the big leaders, I think, to chase them. They, they take their own part in the team. And this is a very um, motivational for me. And the second, which I have been also sending you as a statement, is that I felt that uh, also through personal experiences that in crisis and situations of rapid change, and uh, we have the opportunity and also our people have the opportunity to detect the skills in themselves you have never been taught. So suddenly they are showing up with something yeah? yep. you have never detected and you have never taught it. So you see how much power is in human, in human beings, right? Very, very interesting. Good points. I, there was no disagreement. There was just a lot of raising the bar or expanding. Edwin, anything you want to you say back? I love it. Edwin, anything you want to say back to Jorgen or Thomas before I move on? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree. I think the only, the only thing that I heard there which I would challenge is, do we need KPIs? You know, what, I, what Thomas just mentioned there is the bigger pictures, the vision, you know, is the, what are we here to do? What are we here to achieve? And I see it so much with the cottage industries, little reporting departments and chasing KPIs and, and how those KPIs or SLAs could be potentially modified and tweaked to look green on a scorecard, but actually we're still losing money as a business, as an organization. And we've seen some big businesses go through some big pain. I'd love to go and look at their KPIs and see how they were doing against that pre, pre this uh, pandemic. But I do love the let's believe in people. And uh, you know, to your point, Thomas, they'll surprise us. You know, I think whatever you give back, people will give back in spades. And if we can empower them, I think you guys have used the, that word, then they'll surprise us. But let's let them just, you know, I'd love to see more businesses focus on the vision and the, out, and the goal, big goal, rather than micro KPIs and SLAs. So we should not micro KPI them, yeah. right? This can kill a lot of energy, yeah. And, uh, Amen. We need to find the right balance, right? <laughs> I remember the KPI days. I remember looking at the the very very badly organized spreadsheet with this much room to express something and saying, "Wow, how do I encapsulate the last six months of twelve, fourteen hour a day work into this much space? What did I accomplish? What are my goals? And should I say I'm going to improve this by five percent? Is it really within my control? Should I go out and limit and say twelve percent?" Can I really deliver? I was trying to deliver on expanding a global audience for Game Changers Radio. How in the world could I control people in 
500 countries, whether they were going to tune in or not. It wasn't, I was it was a one person shop. It was me. And so relying on a lot of other people, how do you express a goal when you have people who are not even a dotted line team to you, right? Who are trying to get something done for a common goal, but it comes back to you, me. Glad I don't have to do KPIs anymore. I'm an independent broadcaster now. Yay. Let's go on <laughs> to Jorgen Lindegaard. And Jorgen, there's something in statement number one I really like I want to talk about. You say many people talk about, and we love the word people, talk about the new normal and the new reality. I call it the new abnormal. You say you find, for better or worse, that people are not good at changing old habits. I'm not going to read anymore because I'd like to hear in your own words. Well, those were your own words, but I want to hear you with your own words. So, Jorgen, what are we talking about habits here? Because we've sure had to do a lot of changing in the past six months. Jorgen. Yes, absolutely. And if you read, you know, business forums, whatever their names might be, I would definitely be in the minority. My inbox as well tells me that everything will change and I will never work the same way I did before. I'm also all the time being told that soon we won't even have offices because we've shown that we can work from home, etc. So I just tend to actually disagree. And it's not a mental thing. It's just I feel it inside myself. But also I see peers and friends around the world. As soon as the societies open up just a little bit, they really run very quickly back to the old normal, if we can call it that. As people, we are built to find herds and build communities. And as much as we try to do it with Zoom and other technologies, it just doesn't change the comfort as being around people that you relate to. Um, you feel part of something bigger than yourself. And I definitely see people as soon as the offices open up, as soon as the first networking event kicks off, I think we'll be right back where we left it off. Certain changes, absolutely. But I think if you base strategies and if you pivot companies or you change your partner um, alliances based on everything going virtual now, six, 18 months down the line, you might be forced to turn around again. So there's nuances, but um, I just, we're dealing with people in the end. And I think if we're too quick to jump on this, everything is new trend. It might come, you know, back and bite us. Interesting. A trend that might come back and bite us. Very interesting. Uh, there might be some, let's see if we get a real debate out of this. Thomas Pickle, what do you think? You're up, Thomas. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. So, of course, of course, we are hoping that something will, let's think a little bit about uh, beyond, beyond the companies. Yeah? Mm -hmm. We are observing some things uh, also in the last year, which I think we as a human beings also being responsible, I think, for around us would uh, like to drive in another direction, perhaps. Yeah? Uh, perhaps here we have the hope that uh, people will learn and, and, uh, and, and take the opportunity to change it back or to change it, I think, better. Yeah? Um, if I'm looking in the company environment, I'm telling my people that um, we this this change which we are at the moment undergoing. Of course, we are forced also from let me say the crisis environment to drive some changes, but they should be um, considering this positive and also as something uh, where what they are changing and creating, which I believe which will also remain. Sometimes people in the change management have the the idea that uh, I think they're changing something because I think someone wants to change it. Yeah. And then after some period, it goes back, I think, where, where it has been originally. And then the energy was not worthwhile to do it. I, I tell my people, and this is also, I'm convinced of everything at the moment, what we are doing right in a sustainable well, 
way to bring into digital motions will remain also beyond the crisis. And then we will combine it in an intelligent way, digital and physical, so that it really brings us forward. Thank you. Very, very interesting. Let's go to Edwin. Join us, Edwin, please. Hello. Hi. So um, I'm sorry, Jürgen. I don't quite, quite agree with you on this one. I think for me, I, I, um, I, I understand. I understand the point you're making. And I, I also see some people reverting back to the old way as soon as they can. But I also see a world that's a little bit broken, you know, COVID aside. And I see a world where we look at it from a, you know, a, an environmental perspective where the world is creaking. And I look at it from a mental health perspective, how people are suffering and, you know, suicide rates are going the wrong way, which, um, which doesn't paint a great picture for me in terms of the old world. And it doesn't, there's a lot of young people. And you know, if I look at communities, you mentioned the word communities, the growth of digital communities like, you know, social media, different social media channels and how those communities are growing. And I think the, the reason, um, you know, what, what I think we need to try and create, and, and there's a real, sorry, and the last point on the whole, you know, I think as we feel and we work with organizations and people all over the world that want to change, but I think people can only change within their environment. If, you, if we are in a hamster, uh, you know, and we want to, and we escape and we look for that freedom that we get caught and we get put back on our cage and we have the same hamster wheel, then that's the only form of exercise and that you have to revert back to that. And I think I, I would urge organizations to think a bit bigger and say, well, actually, we've proven people can work differently. That's not just good for them mentally, but that's good for the environment. That's good for the world as a whole. You know, less travel is good for the ozone layer and so on. So, and there's a lot of people want that. So how can we use digital technologies to create some communities where, where we can to give people still that sense of belonging but embrace the new world so that when we do see each other, perhaps it's not just to go and have those five meetings where I'm sitting in my old office for my, you know, to have my 35 minutes Aldesco, I don't think it's Alfresco, Aldesco <laughs> meal behind my, um, behind my desk where I'm chatting to my colleague next to me, which is, who's also having an Aldesco um, meal. So, and, but then let's rather get people in to then create a real sense of belonging where they then have those workshops and we can empower them to think about new ways. So I think, yes, people are returning to the old ways, but that's just because we've not created a new environment for them to go and, and, and uh, succeed. Interesting, interesting. Jorgen, this was your topic. Anything you want to say back to either or both of them, Jorgen? Yes. Um, so I, I, I was looking for the disagreement, Edwin. I'm not, I'm not sure I really nailed it down, but... I did hear a couple of things because you mentioned, you know, suicide rates, et cetera, going up. But I find when I read about it, a lot of that is around the social media. It's all this non-physical relationship for teenagers and young people. They don't have that built up anymore. And, and I think actually that's probably one of the dangers I see. You give companies run by CFOs and shareholders the opportunity to cut costs and they will cut costs. And all of a sudden going to the office and having the option disappears. If not enough people do it, it'll become a red cell in the Excel sheet and we're in a whole different trouble. I find um, I have much less time these days because every phone call, every email has turned into a Zoom meeting. Everyone will happily book 10 people to join a Zoom call for an hour with something that could have been one or two emails. And I feel a little bit it's hard to get back once you open that jar too much. So not only do I actually think as people, we quickly return to our old habits. I do 
see, oh, sorry, I do see some some benefits of it. Should it be mixed? Absolutely. Some people will benefit from a more flexible work environment. Just be careful because it starts as an opportunity, an option, but once that red cells in Excel sheet for the CFO starts lighting up, we might lose that option as well. So that's that's how I see it. Interesting. Any comments back? Edwin Edwin wants to speak. Go ahead. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a really good point. And, and I think the mix is what we're after. I think that the, the thing perhaps in your statement, which um, is that, you know, don't be too quick, you know, you're, you're pivoting a new purpose. I think this is the opportunity whilst people are, you know, used to some change to define the new new mm. uh, rather than revert to the old. And, and I think you are absolutely right. Human interaction is important. You know, I don't think we want to create keyboard warriors who just sit behind desks and Zoom calls. But this is the time where I think organizations and leaders need to step up and redefine how, the, how, the, um, you know, how, how human interaction needs to happen and what's the best use of face-to-face and what's the best use of technology. And an interesting comment from me is that I've been doing radio for 10 years, business radio, on the phone where I couldn't see anybody, never met people. And this year when the pandemic started, I realized Zoom was very amenable to this kind of interaction. And for the first time, after talking to thousands of people, sometimes 250 shows a year, I now can see my panelists. I can enjoy your smiles and the nuances and your moods and when you want to speak rather than listening for is that dead air or is he taking a breath and ready to start another paragraph, but he's doing it slowly. So to me, this has been a godsend in terms of adding to the the flavor and the depth of being able to do radio. I can now see people on the radio. So uh, that's just a, a counterpoint to the value of Zoom, everything in its, its place and time, right? Anybody want to say anything before I move on? Thomas, go ahead. I would, I would only uh, comment. I think I'm quite sure um, uh, if we put it in, in the context of uh, a little bit a bigger picture, of course, people are hungry for personal contact. I see it now also in my area. They are also fighting uh, to, to, to have the luxury with all the COVID rules and hygiene concepts. If I give them the possibility, I think, to meet physically, yeah. Um, and I'm quite sure that the people will change also in terms of uh, appreciating this f- physical events and uh, and um, more consciousness about this while combining, I think, the rest of the part of the efficiency, I think, in the digital world. But also in the digital world, in, I think, as you say, uh, Jorgen, not everything is, is golden. Yeah? If, for example, we have been detecting exactly what you say, that the people are sitting too long in video conferences sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no agenda. We are debating about topics which can be fixed, I think, in two minutes telephone call. So what we started, uh, I think, to give us really healthy work rules also in the digital world and to ensure that people are, I think, not pulled into digital conferences, that they have t- the time to prepare, to recover, and also a little bit um, to take care of themselves, yeah, to, to spend the time with the environment. They are in at the moment. There are a lot of people have at the moment complexities, homeschooling and so forth mm-hmm. around them, which also needs to be considered. So I think we need to, to give us also constant rules for the, the digital world and not let it flow as it is. Yeah? Here we also need to, to be more intelligent. Yeah? But no doubt, I think uh, human contacts, <laughs> partners want to... Yeah, to see us. Yeah, if, and also employee if ones. If only. That's right. Yeah, if, if only. Yes. Somewhere. Yeah. And, 
And the beauty of doing this remote, I'm just going to say this, is we don't have to wear a mask. I can see you. I'm not not wearing a mask, and I don't have to be six feet apart. And I did wash my hands before we started the show, yeah. just so you all know. So <laughs> let's go to, we have time for, I think, one more statement. Thomas, I'm looking at statement number three, and there's a very important word in here. You say, don't underestimate trust building as a key element to create really powerful teams and partnerships, real interest in people and authenticity remain magic. You sure Walt Disney didn't say that? That sounds like a Disney thing. <laughs> Thomas, is that also, the new, the new I'm Walt sure. I'm Thomas quite sure that he did it, or I, I thought that it comes from me, and then I think I anyhow rented it from someone. <laughs> Tell us about trust building. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what I'm observing at the moment is that uh, that people, um, I think, sometimes um, um, are driving leadership or whatever kind of communication, and they are um, they think that this is now I think the best way to do, and this is the state of the art. And uh, and uh, and uh, I know that people are magic, uh, and 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 also images are magic which we are sending over through the social channels and so forth but i don't think that it's uh, wise to think that uh, only posting in the right way or blogging or um, telling stories is the same as as creating um, uh, trust with the team yeah i think people are now in the home office and they have not lost their sensitivity i think to understand if someone is really interested and and meaning well with them. Yeah? And what I mean is that I think this is something which we should not forget yeah? in the, all this uh, photo creation and blog creation and social <laughs> movement that the people are still having their sensors and they find out if someone is really interested in them or they, this is only done for self-promotion yep. or if someone is authentic or also wants to be an actor, yeah? to be a super leader, but in reality is not having the right skills or even not want to invest in reality to be a super leader while more thinking is self-promotion. And I think this is something people should be uh, conscious about. Yeah? And also partners, employees, uh, customers, they, they will find it out. Yeah? What is really authentic and what is only created and built. Yeah? And this is something which we should not lose as a leaders, but we should also tell it to our people that they continue to work on that to really make the difference and to have really uh, long-standing, trustful, sustainable relationships and not something which has disappeared after, let me say, I forgot to block uh, one week. <laughs> and then the likes and the responses is coming to zero. This is uh, more sustainable than the, what we think uh, we can do in social media, from my perspective. Thank you. Interesting about trust. Uh, we have a little couple minutes, just a couple minutes before we go to yeah. our predictions round. Edwin, you're sitting next to Thomas virtually. So why don't you just chime in for about a minute, Edwin, please? Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Um, authenticity is critical. Um, you know, it's hard to trust a fake person. And, you know, if you're not authentic, you can see that through virtually or or, or um or physically, however you see that, you know, that comes through. And, and, you know, the only thing I'd add to that is I started off talking about human performance and mental, mental, uh, physical and emotional. And it is, there's a report out by Deloitte that, that talk about how many people suffer from mental health, but only 11% of employees feel they can go to the employer and actually raise that, which yeah. probably indicates that, nine, you know, 89%, I don't want to get my, my math right, Jürgen, here, 89%, I think, um, uh, don't 
don't trust the employer. And that's a big, big problem. And and I think, you know, the, the way forward is authenticity and leaders being, you know, being people. Again, you know, and, and for, for followers, you know, employers to, to see who the real people are. Thank you. Jorgen, join us, please. What do you think? Yes, I mean, of course, I agree. I just, I always feel on these topics, we have to try and get down to the next level because talking trust and leadership and authenticity is great, but what does it really mean day to day on the Zoom calls or emails? And I think we use micromanagement as this evil terms and we think spreadsheets and KPIs. But what I find we really have to do to create trust and build this momentum is have really specific often calls and conversations with people, set expectations and give feedback, not on the year and the quarter, but on what we do and behaviors and the small things, because we can talk, talk trust and authenticity, but if you as a people leader aren't in your face, almost if you will, with your employees and giving them feedback on the small things as well, they just don't know. And then it's hard for them to figure out which direction is right to go. So I do agree. And I think we just have to, as people leaders, remember to go that next step down in details. If not, it just becomes wishful thinking. Thank I agree. You. I agree. Uh, and I also felt um, that this is uh, something which people at, all, at the moment are also wishing that we uh, are creating more small momentum, small contacts. You're not always the big events with a lot of preparation, long stuff, super show and so forth. They appreciate, I think, just putting a topic, I think, on the table and uh, debating around it or just listen, yeah? I think, for 15 minutes, yeah, which is not a big investment, to really show interest and then take it, I think, to the next level. So this is definitely something I would recommend, yeah? just not do the super shows <laughs> and the super blockbusters, but really something which is uh, more personal and really show interest. And I'm, I'm going to bring up one quick thing. And Edwin, get ready, please. 60-second prediction. We'll go around the table. The care and feeding of leaders, they're people too. They need to have mentors. They need to have people who inspire them. They need training. They need to know how do they put their personal feelings aside? How do they put what their family is doing? How do they put what their needs are to be that trustworthy, team-building, authentic, magic-creating leader who can be there? They're people too. They're not bots. So interesting. I think we need a show on uh, leader building, leadership building. Haven't talked about that in a long time. We just assume they're super people and they can do it all. There you go. But who are they? Yeah, you're right. They, they also this... need their momentum, right? Yeah, they, they have needs too. Let's quickly go around the table. Less than 60 seconds. Edwin, predictions, you're up. Crystal ball, go. Yeah, we all talk about a work-life balance, but believe, I, you know, we firmly believe a 5-2 split, five working days, two working, you know, two, two days a weekend off is not a balance. And we're working hard and, uh, you know, on a vengeance to prove that you can be equally productive in a 4-3 split. And we predict in five to 10 years, a lot of many, many organizations will follow. Thank you very much. Jorgen Lindegaard, you're up. 60. He did so well. You can have 63 seconds. Go ahead, Jorgen. I like it. So kind of dystopia <laughs> prediction here, I think. If we rely too much on Zoom and Hangouts and these virtual environments going forward, those corporations chasing clicks and on time will start using the same algorithms as we have for social media. We'll be less and less flexible and creative with opinions and who we meet and the companies and we'll be run by algorithms. And it sounds bleak, but at some point, 
we might not actually get all that different input that we think we get because we'll have created this little official corporate bubble for ourselves. Mm, interesting. Mm. The corporate bubble emerges. Thomas Pickle, you've got, uh, I give you 90 seconds because well, they were so concise. They behaved so well. 90 seconds for Thomas. Go ahead. Use them well. I'm, um, I want to, to, to first thank my colleagues uh, for, for a great debate and uh, also for um, this, this great level of agreement about uh, the power of people and also the power of partnerships, firstly. Secondly, uh, I would like to emph emphasize the, from my prediction the topic that I'm quite sure that uh, everything what at the moment we are doing well. Yeah, we are not doing it for promotion. We, the things we, we are well thought through in the digital world um, and, and uh, functioning well will remain. Um, I, we should also use this as an ingredient for the future, combine it well also with our um, physical activities. So I'm quite sure that we can really go combine the two things well if we are intelligent enough. And the last thing is we should not wait, I think, for other people to do the things. I think if we really take the things uh, serious as a leaders, we should really put our brain into it yeah? and, and to use the opportunity, I think, to create it in the way we want it, because then at least in our environment, I think uh, we can influence the things in the right direction. And perhaps we can also promote it and find friends around us to also like it. Yeah, and do do everything for good from that point of view. I think you know, and the, and the mess they made, I think uh, the power of your leadership. Yeah, and not wait. Thank you very much. Not wait. Keyword. I can't thank the three of you enough. This has been engaging, compelling, interesting, dynamic. Some surprises along the way. You all played so well in the sandbox, and I appreciate that. Let's all give a round of applause to Nula Spooner at SAP who put this panel together. Nula, spectacular. And let's all thank also my engineer extraordinary. He calls himself my sidekick, and he is Aaron Keller at Voice America World Talk Radio, the business channel. Thanks for getting us on the air and keeping us here, Aaron. And now it's time for my shout-out, and I'm just going to say fasten your seatbelt if you're driving anywhere. What are you waiting? <laughs> for i'm getting two and a half months to the gallon how are you doing go out and be a game changer today just like edwin van royen at teacup thank you edwin just like jorgen lindegaard at sap thank you jorgen and just like thomas pickle at sap everybody wave bonnie d graham signing off bye bye for bye -bye. partnership bye -bye. Game for digital transformation bye bye, bye, -bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Power of Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.